This episode of the American Shoreline Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at TI Coastal Services of Wilmington, North Carolina. If you're looking for great engineers on the Southeast Atlantic shoreline, don't forget TI Coastal Services. Find them at ticoastal.com. Well, we are back at the Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association meeting on the American Shoreline Podcast. My name is Peter Rebell. I'm the co-host of the show. And as all of you know, my co-host, Tyler Buckingham, is over in the Ukraine at a wedding this week. So it's a solo performance. Uh, But instead of sitting with Tyler today, I have the real pleasure and privilege to sit down with the president of the Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association Pepper Uccino. Uh, Pepper, welcome to the American Shoreline Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. Well, I understand this is your first FSBPA conference as the new president of the organization. Uh, introduce yourself to our listeners around the country and, uh, and tell us a little bit about FSBPA, too. Thank you so much. I re- really appreciate the chance to sit down with you and, and talk. Uh, so my name is Pepper Uccino. I am the new president of the Florida Shore and Beach Preservation Association all of uh, two weeks ago. <laughs> wow. Two weeks. Way so, to go. Congratulations yeah, on the you. job. I take full credit for this conference. <laughs> <laughs> you did a great job. Honestly, we have, um, we have some amazing staff, uh, Jackie Larson and um, Terry Vesey, and they, they put together an amazing conference. Uh, so I'm just, you know, I, I really, it was I, I came on at a, at a period where the conference was basically wrapped up. You know, there, was, there wasn't a heck of a lot for me to do. Um, so all the credit goes to, to them and to uh, Debbie for putting this one together. I certainly look forward to being very hands-on in, in the future conferences, uh, but what they're doing is phenomenal here. And uh, last year I came, I was with a consulting firm, private consulting firm, and it was my first FSBPA, huh. uh, FSBPA conference. Uh, and I just saw what a phenomenal job they did and uh, so actually that was my that was my first introduction uh, to the annual conference but uh, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background a little bit of history of um, you know where I where I come from and uh, why I'm so passionate about these issues so I grew up in a little town outside New Haven called Woodbridge Connecticut mm-hmm. uh, when I grew up there there were less than 10,000 people we had one stoplight we uh, it actually wasn't even a stoplight it was a blinking red slash blinking yellow light um, <laughs> it's really just uh surrounded by nature. Uh, right outside my back door, I could run through the woods, which I often did, uh, really gained a serious appreciation for the natural environment. My mother was big in the Sierra Club up there, um, so we did a lot of interesting things uh, in terms of hikes and those kind of things. I remember um, one of the Sierra Club things, we were helping out on an archaeology you know, um, expedition where we were looking for arrowheads in, in a creek bed um, that's one of my earliest memories. Of what a fun thing to do. <laughs> uh, and, you know, every time we would find something, we would just, you know, put a little uh, flag there and call somebody over and, and see if it was something. Um, but I moved to Florida in, in 1990 and a really topsy-turvy time for me. You know, I was a teenager. Um, I, had, I was in the middle of middle school in eighth grade. I uh, kind of didn't know what was up, you know, going from this small, small Well, n- town. none of us did, you know, in eighth <laughs> grade. We thought we did, but we really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, really going from this tiny town uh, in Connecticut, uh, surrounded by, you know, the, the remnants of the Appalachian Mountains, 
Um, not too much beach and shore there, you know, a little bit of Long Island from time to time. Um, I did grow up sailing, and so that was sailing and windsurfing and those kind of things. So I did have an interaction with with the water, uh, but not necessarily the beaches and the shores. Yeah. Um, so coming down here was a, a totally different experience, really um, disorienting. And the, the one common thing for me, though, was, was the ocean. Um, and yeah. I, you know, I really gained an appreciation for that. And I, I have something, something I've just carried with me, you know, it's lifelong, you know, it was just, um, it was an existential experience back then. And I've just kind of held that, uh, with me, uh, still to this day, I other than Tallahassee now, but, you know, getting to a place where I get to see the sand and the water, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it still has a really. You know, we talk we, we talk about that on the Beer Controlling Podcast Network. Many of the hosts, Jenna Valente, who's from Boston and does the Sea Change Podcast, uh, covers coastal advocacy. One of her questions, and I'm gonna, Jenna, I'm going to steal your question because she asks her guests all the time. You know, what is their fit when they think of the beach or they think of the shoreline? What comes to mind? What is the what is your uh, your connected favorite space when you think about? the shoreline and the beach now that you've come down to Florida, I guess? That is a good question. Um, for me, it's an unquantifiable experiential feeling. It, it's difficult, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's because I've had, I had so much connection with it. I, I used to do a little bit of free diving. Uh, obviously I told you about, Growing up on the on the waters of New England and you know doing sailing, um, it's just kind of an overwhelming, intrinsic feeling of uh, calmness and connection uh, to the natural world. That it's unexplainable. I, I really I can't I can't put a, a you know an actual word on it uh, other than it's just a feeling it's an internal yeah. deep seated feeling which i think a lot of us share i do i think a lot of people do and i think uh you know for the president of fsbpa to talk about it in those terms i think is a positive thing because it explains this draw i mean people often ask me well you know why did, you know peter why did people do you know, the hurricane comes and it's <laughs> terrible and they don't leave like they should just leave i said well there's something innately intimate about there's something that connects to people at the land water interface and it's true all over the world and it's specifically part of why people are drawn to the coast and what motivates motivates people to act it's what drives the coastal economy it drives the coastal real estate market is this very difficult as you say i don't really know how to describe it but you know it when you feel it and uh I, I sort of, to me, I describe it as there's something about the light and the sound and the and the and the horizon, uh, you know, that, that is so different from what you can experience on land. It sort of puts you in a different frame of mind. It's the size and the power of the ocean. I don't know. For everybody, it's different. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's there. You know, I feel that um, it is life. Yeah, it is. It is the essence of, uh, you know, water and especially the ocean. You know, it's, it's the essence of where we came from. And maybe it harkens back to some primal, you know, lizard brain type of connection. Yeah. Um, but it's there. 
Yeah. So when you come into, so you were here last year as a consultant. Can I ask what kind of uh, firm were you, who were you working for back then? What were you doing professionally before you became, came to FSBPA? Uh, so the immediate, um, the position I just left, I was a partner in a boutique firm called Anfield Consulting. Um, there, there are multiple different aspects of the firm, but the part that I was most connected to was the natural resource um, advocacy portion of it. Ah. Um, the reason why I, I was recruited to Anfield was prior to that, I was the staff director for the Florida Senate Environmental Preservation and Conservation Committee, ah. uh, where I served both um, immediately prior to Anfield, I was the staff director, but before that was also the uh, staff attorney. Wow. Um, on that, and I did that for six and a half years. Oh, good. Um, so, uh, you know, again, natural resources, my, my you know, kind of getting back to my roots and that, yeah. you know, literally the roots of standing in a dry stream bed looking for arrows in the woods, you know, it has those kind of ideas have just carried with me and really guided me throughout my professional career uh, and, and guided my, so I, I did a, a, a business administration uh, degree at the University of Miami, away, completely away from, from that, where I focused on marketing and advertising. Uh, worked a bit in the field and then thought, you know, this really isn't me. I, right. I don't know what to do exactly, but this is not it. Yeah. Um, and again, kind of that guiding principle, that that love of the environment, you know, brought me um, to realize that I wanted to just do something. That want, I wanted to do that for my career. And so I applied for a dual degree in the uh, law program and the, the uh, master's program at the University of Miami. So... I ended up getting a, a master's in marine affairs and policy from the University of Miami. That's great. In conjunction and concurrently with a, with a law degree. Man, perfect hire. <laughs> Way to go, FSBPA. No, I can see the the advantage. I, you know, similarly, I, my background's in marine biology and environmental law. It's the mix of the science and policy and the legal. But that legislative experience, six years in the Senate Natural Resources Committee in Florida. Uh, you know, we talked to Doug Smith from Martin County and on your suggestion, and Doug was really great to talk to. And I was asking him about the, you know, what does it take to be successful in, in this in shoreline management at the local government level? And he said, look, you got to have passion. You have to be, you know, have great technical staff on your, and you have to be good in politics. You have to know what's happening in Tallahassee. You have to have great lobbyists who are committed to you. And I was not offended in any way by the fact that, he, you know, because I look, you do have to understand the political system and having somebody at the president at FFSBPA coming out of the legislature in Florida with a science law degree. Man, that's a good hire right there. That's the skill set and the marketing on top. Come on. It was a slam dunk. No, I don't want to get the listeners uh, um, incorrect perception. It was a. Uh, I got a Master of Arts in oh. Marine Affairs and Policy. They now, University of Miami has realized that, that it's very science and very technical, and they now call it Masters of Professional Science. Okay. Uh, but my degree is still in a well, still Master of Arts. Eh, it, was, it was scientific. I lived in, you know, <laughs> truth, and, truth and honesty. <laughs> so when you, uh, this is an interesting uh, organization to then lead. Um, I would imagine that in your time up in Tallahassee that you came across uh, FSBPA or counties and cities and communities all around Florida looking for help from the legislature um, on shoreline management and coastal investment. Uh, 
from your perspective up there, what do you think the organization has to do? How would you like to lead it to be as effective as you can be in Tallahassee? Another great question. So FSBPA has a long and honorable history of doing, you know, the, the management uh, and beach and inlet management and sand management, construction projects, those kind of things that are critical to many aspects of Florida success, not only the economic success, but also uh, the environmental success of with these programs. I want to continue everything that, you know, that the legacy um, yeah. that B- FSBPA has, has set up. However, 62 years ago, when the organization was formed, the threats and challenges have changed. Uh, and so the organization has to change and grow to meet those threats and challenges. And so that's my goal to keep the legacy of what we've been doing and work those issues that we're very good at working, but to lead FSBPA to meet those new threats and new, those new challenges that the shorelines right. uh, face. And as we've heard from, from the, the conference, they are many and they are varied. And so it's going to take a, a all hands on deck approach from not only FSBPA, all, but all of our member local governments, and all of our uh, private sector members, you know, anybody that has a stake in, in these sorts of issues is going to have to rise up to meet the challenges. Yeah, well, you know, I think around the country, uh, folks who are in the profession of coastal management in, in its broadest sense often look to Florida. Uh, the state has been a leader nationally uh, out of necessity. Um, the one thing I say about uh, Florida, the advantage the state has is there almost every county is a coastal county and almost every state legislator is a coastal legislator. And the attention and the focus over decades, both within, say, the organization like FSBPA and in the state, is, is just more mature than in a lot of other places. And that's great. So uh, I think I think folks will continue to look to Florida. But when you are looking ahead at these new challenges and these new risks and threats, um, what comes to mind with you? What do you think is changing that you're going to have to rise up to me? Um, so another little wrinkle in my history is um, while I was at Anfield Consulting, one of the things that I did was... Um, with some of our local government clients, we started uh, an organization called Resiliency Florida. It was all about resiliency, uh, which carries on to this day. Um, but we're the ones that, that really put the, the boots on the ground to get that organization um, up and, and ready for the challenges. That's, that's a big challenge, the resiliency challenge in terms of what will we do. But Florida is on the front lines of sea level rise, and um, there's no other state in the nation that, that faces a greater threat from sea level rise than Florida does. And in that, our shores are the first line of defense uh, for sea level rise. And so if we don't take care of our our shores and and make smart policies, whether that be um, development, redevelopment, disaster recovery, um, dunes and beaches and, you know, it's living shorelines and those things that those types of ideas that are really going to propel us, you know, for the next decade, I mean, for the next century or so in Florida, if we are going to have a vibrant uh, ecosystem and a vibrant shoreline economy, yeah. those, are, those are things that we need to address. And while Florida is leading, 
Um, we've just recently, we as a state have just recently begun to seriously take on these challenges uh, in any significant way. When, when we started Resiliency Florida in 2016 and gave some presentations before the legislature uh, as, as that nonprofit, nobody was really talking about it at all. Uh, and this is something that is an existential threat to our shorelines. And so we need to not only talk about it, we need to get serious about moving. And, and that's one of the things I hope to do. Well, I think uh, your conference organizers did a great job of putting together the program. I think it's really been outstanding. Um, and one of the reasons we wanted to come over was I think the quality of and the breadth of the issues that you guys are taking on here uh, are really, really important. And, 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 we wanted to bring it to the listeners on on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, what are the uh, what's when you look at the program? I know you've sat in on several. Uh, we've been trying to get to sit down, and uh, we're both sort of in and out of these presentations. Uh, what struck you this year in the in the presentations you've heard so far on day two of the conference? I think just the level of passion and expertise from everyone. Um, it's a, it's a group of people that is dedicated and passionate and has not only, you know, solutions, but actionable solutions. You know, it's one thing to have, okay, this is a great idea and, and how are we going to get it? But the ones here and, you know, from the Army Corps yeah. all the way down to, um, you know, interestingly, you know, the, um, the meteorologist from NBC6 uh, yeah. has has things, solid, concrete ideas that can move us in the correct, in the right direction in terms of protecting the shorelines. And, uh, and just, you know, just surely the, the level of passion and connection between everybody is something that, uh, not, not that I didn't expect because they're passionate people and professional people everywhere. Um, but just, it, it's overwhelming. It is. I think, uh, you know, as a professional community, and one of the reasons we wanted to, to, uh, to be here is that, uh, you know, there's a, there's a very closeness at, in these communities. I would say insular a little bit. The coastal management profession uh, is amazing when you come to the conferences, as you say, passionate, very serious, a lot of great ideas, you know, a, a lot of willingness to work together across right. agencies and states. I mean, there is a, there, I think as a group of people, uh, there's a commitment to trying to get this right. Uh, one of the presenters from the Corps of Engineers said, look, our reputation is on the line and so is yours and we all have to do a great job. You know, there's a lot of public investment here. We have got to do a good job on these projects and design and all of the process. <clears throat> it's that connection and, uh, and, and value in this discussion is one of the reasons uh, we're here because I get frustrated by that. I've been going to ASBPA and conferences like this for 20 years. I don't remember the first one I went to. It's been a while. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I you say, where is the public? Where's the community? Where are the people that we're trying to work with, serve, help? And uh, we have to do a better job as a community of professionals to engage the public um, I know that you understand that having worked in the legislature, how important that is. And that's bring, right. You're exactly right. Bringing these conferences and the expertise that's inside these rooms, outside these walls, is a really important thing to do, I think. You're, you're absolutely correct there. And I think our local government uh, partners 
do a, a very good job of, of, of doing that. Um, but there needs to be, that can't be, the, the community's engagement cannot be a result. It has to be a goal. Um, you know, it, it just can't be a chance, you know, with a storm that comes through and, you know, there's a, there's a hue and a cry from the public to do something. Uh, that outreach has to be something that is on the forefront of all of our minds all the time. Yeah, I think it matters, and uh, it matters to the success of, of projects. It matters to the financing of projects, whether people understand and trust the professional judgment of the experts involved uh, and that their local leaders are well engaged. Doug Smith was very clear on this from Martin County. Uh, you know, he, they had a professional coastal engineer on their staff for many, many years, and that expertise built into the local government was one of the things he cited as their uh, uh, reason they were successful. Uh, so technical expertise, political sophistication, communication, all of that stuff. Uh, and that's what FFBPA kind of fills that role for the, for the community in, in, you know, one of, the, one of the biggest coastal states in America. Yeah. That's exactly right. And, um, it's a legacy I want to continue, for sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Pepper and Chino, the president of the Florida Shore and Beach Pre uh, Preservation Association, uh, welcome. Congratulations Thank on you. the job. And uh, so glad to have you on the American Shoreline podcast. Any closing thoughts? Uh, and how can people learn more? Don't forget about your organization. Go to, if you want to learn more, go to uh, www.fsbpa.com. Uh, we, we have a, a great website that can give you valuable information. Um, other than that, come to our conference. You'll see exactly what we do and what we are trying to do. And uh, if it's not through us, contact your local elected official, contact your, your uh, congressman, and let them know how important this is because truly the, the power, I, I know sometimes it doesn't seem so, but um, the power of the people can move mountains. And it's yeah. something that, uh, or in this case, can move the short lines of mountains of sand. <laughs> um, but stay engaged. Yeah, stay engaged. It's important, and um, we will continue to do the work uh, as long as those that wish us to do that work. In fact, all stems from, from people's passion and people's ability to, to ask for that action. Right. Very well said, Pepper. Thanks a lot for being on, Thank the, you so much, on the show. Thank you so much, Peter.